Welcome to the Luxury Podcast, an interview series that focuses on the finer things in life. I'm your host, Arpan Ghosh, and I speak with the people that bring you the very best. From high-end homes to luxury cars, from Michelin star dining to private jets. Imagine, if you would, setting sail in your own private boat, able to go anywhere in the world without a single care. There is one man who's been doing exactly that for over 30 years and is now in a position where he can guide others to do the same. In this episode, I am joined by John Krupe, a yacht captain and founder of Rubicon Maritime, a luxury yacht brokerage that is catered to the lovers of the open water. Welcome to the show, John. It is good to have you on, and I hope your year has been off to a good start. So far, so good. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. um, COVID right. seems to be uh, at least more definable. I don't, don't want to say uh, letting up, but maybe we're just figuring out how to deal with it. So, All right. right. That, Total that... game changer, that's for sure. That is very true. Um, and that's uh, certainly something we'll, we'll come on to. Um, but first, I think uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about you. Um, you have what might be one of the most enviable jobs in the world, um, you know, a, a yacht captain and now a yacht broker. Um, and I believe you've spent uh, the past couple of years touring the world. I've spent the last 30 years touring <laughs> the world. Um, nice. Yeah, so... I'll give you a little history on me. Um, right. I started. Uh, I started officially in the business when I was 17, 16, 17 years old, washing right. boats and, um, at a local uh, boat dealership that was uh, down the river from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I built uh, built my first boat when I was nine, my second boat when I was twelve, and I used that boat to uh, transport myself back and forth to home. So uh, like all young men wanted to buy a car <clears throat> in order to buy a car, I needed a job. The only right. transportation boat. <laughs> so, um, and ended up working at that facility for six years, then went to work for uh, myself and uh, started a yacht management company. After that, I, um, I found the, uh, the Dorothea and um, I worked uh, in this program for uh, 22 years. So, um, and as that program is, uh, is now winding down, I've, uh, started a, uh, a consulting firm that, uh, specializes in navigating boat owners through the, uh, ownership of, of these boats, because it's a, while it's, uh, it's a huge, uh, privilege to, to own one and, um, and operate it. It's, uh, certainly doesn't come without, uh, obstacles or bumps in the road. And, um, it's, um, it's important for those people to have somebody that they can count on and to represent them in a, in a fair way. Right. Of course. Um, I mean, um, I'm, you know, a complete layman when it comes to boats, when it comes to yachts, uh, presumably there are 
different models to consider, different types of boats uh, that would offer you different uh, options, I guess, you know, in, in the same way that you would have SUVs or Jeeps or what have you for cars. Um, how does, I guess, how would you start the process of determining what kind of boat you're looking at? It's a good question. Um, and that's part of what I do. It's because uh, believe it or not, um, people make huge mistakes and being led down a path that because of their lack of knowledge um, mm. leads them to a place where they really didn't want to go. And um, ultimately you have a guy that wants to go around the world, but he doesn't have a boat that can go more than a thousand miles without needing fuel. And while right. that's fine, if you're going from Florida to the Bahamas, you find yourself, you know, down the road of a very expensive depreciating asset <clears throat> only to find out that you have to sell that for what typically is a loss and then go buy something else that's going to depreciate. So the, the mission of what you're going to do or what you think you're going to do, and it needs to be very, very clear. And if it's going to be a broad spectrum of, I don't know, and I don't know, that's fine. Um, right. But you want to make sure that you cover a lot of your bases and you want to make sure that you buy a boat that um, ticks a lot of the boxes. There's no such thing as a perfect boat, but you can get close. And, um, and that's important because these things are not easy to sell. They're mm -hmm. really easy to buy. <laughs> right. and none of them appreciate for the most part. It, you know, the, the, the COVID thing has been insane where people are actually flipping boats and making money or, or losing almost nothing. Right. But as an advisor to boat owners, it's um, it, this trend will not continue. It, it, it may continue for another year or so, but sooner or later, it's going to come to an end. Um, well, would you, I suppose, on the whole, advise people? I, I guess, would it be better to buy a brand new boat? Or are there situations where you think getting a secondhand boat might actually be worthwhile? Or does it really just depend? say it really just depends because mm. and it depends on what kind of boat it is right typically if you're talking about boats that are over you know say in the yacht class of over 120 feet and above new in that aspect is usually because the person buying the boat wants it to be theirs and they want everybody to know that it's theirs mm -hmm. which isn't a it's not a bad thing it's not even a uh um and, and it's not a, a flam you know a flamboyantly um it's not a, it's not something that is something that somebody does because they have a lot of money it might just be that they want something that's just unique right uh I'm trying to say that um, it's not because somebody is, you know, super rich and they want it, you know, this or that. They might just want a unique boat mm -hmm. um, because, some, you know, because <laughs> you see it all the time with certain dealers that, you know, you pull into a marina with a $20 million boat and the duplicate of it is sitting next to you. Right. 
that's the bad news. The good news is, is that everybody knows what it is and they treat it like a commodity and it's got a known value and it's easier to sell. When, mm-hmm. You know, when you got a, <clears throat> you know, a yellow boat with a pink rhinoceros on the front of it, it might be unique, but, you know, it might not fit all the, you know, everyone's taste. So um, the, the other reason is, is that new is new. And mm-hmm. um, in our business, it's regulated, but it's not highly regulated. So maintenance is always an issue. So, you know, if, if going off around the world is something that you're going to do with, with your family, um, and you don't want shipyard periods and you don't want downtime and you don't want this and you don't want that. Sometimes new is better. I, I would never suggest new for right out of the box because most of the time when they hand you the keys, it's, at least a 20%, um, you know, whack off the top. And then, and then from there, it kind of gets worse. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think new fits a certain, a certain person, but it it, it really just depends on, on what the scenario is. Right. Right. Um, and, um, I guess one of the other things is, do you, maybe recommend a rent before you buy approach like would you say you should maybe charter a yacht try it out see how it runs and then and then consider actually buying one i would um i I think that boat owners or boat buyers have have fantasies of what they think it is right and i don't know that that those fantasies typically are not reality Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, chartering gives you a chartering gives you a you know a, a you know sort of a, a, a free look at what you're you're getting into. Although <clears throat> a charter crew and and a private boat crew is is going to behave differently and and react differently. Um, but yes, if if you're just getting into it, because mm-hmm. you might hate it, you know. It, and that's true yeah it's 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 unique it's it's and and also it's it's really important that you know you, you got to have a relationship with a, you know it, <clears throat> in order for a program to be successful the the owner has got to participate mm-hmm. right. and i think the one thing that they probably don't really understand is that that participation takes time so, you know, it takes time to use your boat. It takes time to, to manage it. Um, and I think you have to be clear about your expectations and, um, it's, it's a, it, in order to pull it off successfully. And I have, it, it's a team sport. It's there's, you, you can't, you can't just buy it and forget about it. Right. Because, you know, it, it just leaves a lot of unanswered questions for, for whoever is running. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of tying into that in terms of the services that you offer at Rubicon Maritime, um, I get, is it like, does it extend to kind of helping people find the right crew for their boats, uh, kind of working on uh, maintenance, that kind of thing? Is that also part of the service offering? Yes. Um, typically what I would, what I like to do is find a captain for somebody 
okay. and then let that person hire his crew. I've been involved in several different aspects of it, but that's typically where where I've come in. Okay. And, and I think it works better because you don't want to pick someone's deckhand. I mean, I, I don't know what the guy is going to for. So I, I sit with the owners. I, I figure out, you know, I, I have an interview list of questions. And, and because it's important to understand what their participation level is going to be in the boat and then and then hire a person that will work well within those confines and Mm -hmm. you know i've got boat owners that don't want the boat to move unless they're on the boat and i've got boat that they only want you know send me a send me an invoice or an Excel spreadsheet at the end of the month and I'll pay the bill. And I don't want to know what happened in between. And those are two very different captains. Right. You know, if, if you put me in a position where I had to check in with the owner, every time I started the engine, I tell you to go pound sand, but, um, <laughs> but there's boat owners that, you know, that want to be heavily involved and there's boat owners that don't. And right. It's important to find a, a guy that, that's comfortable working in either one of those scenarios. Um, now, uh, I kind of another thing um, that I wanted to get into was, <laughs> uh, I think, kind of your own experiences uh, traveling the world. So there was, um, and you've 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 been around quite a lot, uh, as you said, over the past thirty years. Now there was a tour, I believe, you started in twenty eighteen. Uh, how? I guess, what kind of impact has COVID had on you from a travel perspective? Like as, as a yacht captain who visits different ports, what kind of impact has COVID had on that? Um, it stopped us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we stopped in March of uh, 20. Okay. That was the end of it. All right. Okay. Um the program that I ran for 22 years um, at that point in time ended. So, um, but it it wasn't because of COVID. It was just, it was because it had been the Dorothea program had run for 30 years and the owner and myself, and we'd been everywhere. We've done just about everything and it's just time. You know, it's it's been a great run, but um, we've done in the last ten years. We've done seventy-five countries and a quarter of a million miles and every oh, continent. Wow. You know, and, and prior to the to the previous ten years, we did you know a, a lot of other things. So, sort of ran out of things to do. <laughs> right, right. I guess was did you see? consultancy as sort of a a natural next step for you no but everyone else did Uh, all right and they um and and i and and i had been doing it for you know sort of in a non-professional format for other boat captains and boat owners that i've met along the way because right i've just been to a lot of places that nobody's well a lot of people have never heard of them and then the ones that have, you know, really didn't have any idea how to get there. So it's just sort of a natural progression of passing along what I've learned and um, 
taken advantage of every mistake that I've made, which has been a lot. Right. If, <laughs> if there's anybody that can do anything wrong the first time, it's it's probably me. I think there are uh, probably quite a few lessons that, that you've been able to pass on to others. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, I guess, has been from your travels, what's probably been the most interesting experience for you? Um, what are we talking about uh, recreationally? Or I guess probably the most interesting place that you visited. Um, well, you know, I think they all have an interesting aspect. I, I think one of the most unique places is um, the Northern Islands of Vanuatu in the South Pacific is okay. um, unique. Mm -hmm. in the sense that um, traditional events and, and formalities are still being conducted within the tribes themselves and they, and they have not been influenced by the Westerners. All right. I think um, Northern Papua New Guinea mm -hmm. is still, they're still operating like they were 200 years ago. <laughs> um, that's a pretty crazy place. Um, and, you know, cause you, you know, you have your own ideas as to what, what these places are and then, and then you get there. <clears throat> and the interesting thing is, is that, you know, because of the lack of infrastructure, these villages and, and, uh, islands, you know, they never had telephones or any communication because it required a wire that had to come from somewhere. Right. Now it's beamed over to them. And now, you know, everybody can have it. And so it's, it's very hard to find um, any communities that are behaving and operating and functioning the way that they used to. Right. And what do you have planned for this year? Um, anything, are you planning any trips, anything in particular that you're looking forward to? Um, we've got several clients that are in the process of either building or building or buying or building. And, um, we also have a few clients in Europe that we're working with. So, um, we will be back and forth between, um, North America and Europe over the summer and fall. Um, but I'm always on airplanes traveling between here and South America, Central America. So, yeah, it's it's it, you know it ebbs and flows I, I try to do as much as i can via computer but right um, it, it only gets me so far <laughs> of course uh, so is a uh, building also something that you're involved in uh kind of managing mm -hmm. that process of, of building your own correct. boat correct oh. yeah it, the, the, the same the same philosophy holds true um Within the, the Dorothea program, I built, uh, I think, six boats and um, oh, wow. was and you know, several refits, many refits over over five million dollars. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, knowing how to get things done is super important. And um, it's something that um, that I've loved to do. And um, it's this is all I know. And it's. It's, it's really all I want to know. It's, right. um, it, you know, to hand somebody the keys to a boat that you know is as good as it can get is, 
is, you know, it's, it's a rewarding job. Right. Of course. John, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I do appreciate you coming by and sharing some of your thoughts on, uh, on kind of the boat buying process and, and things people should be considering. Uh, before I let you go, however, there is a little quick fire Q&A session that I do with all my guests. So if you're ready for that, we can, we can go ahead. Yeah, I remember this from the, uh, from the brief, but I don't remember the question. So we'll see <laughs> how I do. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so your favorite cuisine? Mm, Italian. Italian, all right. Italian in Italy. Ital- okay. All right. Uh, any, any particular favorites? Um, no, not really. I mean, once you're there, you're good. Um, what was the last place you traveled to? Uh, Monaco. Oh, wow. Is that, uh, work related or vacation? Yeah. All right. No work. All right. I don't have enough money to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, two items that are on your bucket list. Um, see the polar bears before they die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the Northwest passage. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, what do you consider to be your greatest luxury, uh, material or immaterial? Um, I'm 48 years old and I have my health and that's a pretty big luxury. Yeah, that is an important one. Um, how would you define success? When you wake up in the morning, like I did for 22 years, and you think you have a job, but you're actually doing something that you love, and <laughs> it doesn't matter what you make. I like that answer. Um, what is a piece of advice that has stuck with you over the years? Um, well, it's something that I think everyone, when they hear it, sort of says, yeah, but no, not me, is that you can do anything you want. There, there, are, there are scenarios where... It doesn't play through, but right. you, you try hard enough, you can, you can get just about anything you want. It might not be at the level that you thought you were going to get it to, but right. you'll get close. If you play basketball every day, you might not be Michael Jordan in the end of 10 years, but you'll be far better than you were if you had been. That's a fair point. Yeah. The problem is people have a lot of self-doubt, but <clears throat> the, the reality is, is that you can do anything you want. In, you know, I mean, we live in a country that allows that. That's that's the whole foundation of it. I mean, I, I realize that there's a lot of other people that have a lot of other obstacles. But in this country, you can do anything you damn well please. And you can be as successful as you want. Certainly a thought to live by. Well, thank you again, John. I do really appreciate that, uh, that you could make out some time. Uh, I know you've got, well, I think you've got a nice day out on the open waters hopefully got a day behind my computer i think is what's happened <laughs> well <laughs> at least i'm look. i'm looking at the water all right well that's that's certainly something uh but yeah thank you again i really do appreciate it thank you very much That's it for this episode of the Luxury Podcast. We are available on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. So please subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. 
The Luxury Podcast is a sub-brand of LuxuryProperty.com, which markets the world's finest homes. To learn more, visit our website at LuxuryProperty.com and follow us on all of our social media channels. Thank you very much for listening, and remember to always enjoy life's little luxuries.